Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. This whole series is about why we do what we do. And I'm talking about why we do what we do as, as Christian people, as, as followers of Jesus. You know, nobody makes us do a lot of the stuff that we do. We just do it. And, and you know, what, what is the reason why we do what we do? Yikes. Yeah. Why do we do what we do? Yeah, guys, the answer is right there. I made it super easy. It's, that was an open book test. And uh, uh, the reason why we do what we do, it is for the love of God. That's why we do what we do. That's why we say yes to Jesus. That's why we challenge ourselves. That's why, you know, when, when we're stretched and when we're pushed and whatever it is, we just keep saying yes to God, whatever it is that He, that he asks us. And I think it's good to develop the habit of constantly saying yes to whatever Jesus asks you to do so you can take the adventure called life and and take it in the direction that He wants to lead you and, and take you and guide you. And I, I promise you this, is that if you say yes to Jesus again and again and again, you will have a wild life. And it'll be so much more interesting than if you had have ignored Him and said no to Him. And so we wanna, we wanna say yes to Jesus. I remember, you know, uh, 13, wow, like time has, has gone quickly. But I remember like 13 years ago, many years ago, um, I was working in recruitment. I still kind of do work in recruitment, I guess, but um, it was just a different kind of recruitment. And so I, that was my job. I loved my job. I loved the people that I worked with. And my pastor came to me and he said, I want you to quit your job and, and come work at uh, the church. And I said, okay, um, let me figure out some of the details. And to do that meant I had to make adjustments and, and changes in my life. And one of those big adjustments was um, that we were going to take a pretty significant pay cut. Um, and I actually started working at church. Uh, it was around about the same time that my first son Judah was was born and so you know like when, when you have kids you know and as if you're a parent you'll understand this even if you're not a parent you'll 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 get this when you have children you start to think about the future want to set them up right so we need to look after them make sure that we've you know financially we can provide for them so at the exact moment that I have children um we we're, we're working backwards financially here okay we're we're, we're backpedaling we're, we're going back why 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 would I say yes to that, well, you know, for the love of God, it's because I, I love God, and, and and when you love God, and when I love God, we say yes to Him when He asks us to do things, and um, you know, that's to be honest, this has made a lot of changes in my life. Just that, I mean, that one decision was a pretty big and significant decision. It's it's made changes in my life. So for the last, you know, thirteen years, Sunday morning has owned my Saturday night. Yep. Yep. So sometimes people are like, hey, you want to hang out? Let's do something on Saturday. I'm like, how about Friday? You know, uh, because Sunday morning owns my Saturday night. So that is um, 676 Saturday nights in the last 13 years uh, that 
I am getting ready for the, the next day. And that's, that's like the middle of the weekend, you know? I, I, I gave up a Saturday night for Jesus, you know? And I didn't give it up completely, you know? Like we still go out and we still do stuff, but hey, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the next morning. And, and do you know, do you know what's just like a little disappointing? Not a lot, but, but a little, is that Jesus does not love me anymore for it. I know, I know, I know. You would think when he sees the sacrifice that I make for him, that he would love me a little bit, but, but you know, but he doesn't. He doesn't love me anymore. I know, I said, disappointing, right? In fact, do you know what it is? I am, I am no more forgiven or loved than anyone else in this room today. Do you know that? Yeah. Even though I'm giving up the Saturday nights, right? No more loved. No more loved. No more forgiven. And um, I guess that's good because it's not how the system works. The, uh, the, the system would be more like we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's how forgiveness works. So I guess in another sense, you know, thank God that it doesn't hinge on my ability to make him love me because honestly, I would have screwed this up a long time ago. I would have, that's true. If it had have depended on me to, to like, like if it was all about what I could do or what I could give up and if him, if it was, you know, what I gave up would make him love me more, Man, I would be in a lot of trouble and I'm not in trouble, thank God, literally, because, because I'm just loved by Him. It's, it's, it's actually, it's all about Him and it's all about uh, His affection towards me and His affection towards you. And, you know, it's true that there's nothing you could actually do to make God love you more. That's, we should celebrate that because um, I feel like we, we often live in a world where people think that what they do impresses Him and they earn favor with Him by being sacrificial and, you know, doing good stuff. But that's, that's just not the gospel. That's not how that works. You know, we're, we're saved by grace. I love grace. I love to, to preach about grace, but I do think that it is possible to take this grace thing too far you know like like way too far like into a space that grace was not meant to go do you know anybody that just loves grace you know like a little too much you know <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> it's no it's not uh, you know but you know, people that love grace too much, you know, like I've met people that will say things like um, to me where they would say, uh, you know, I will just ask God for forgiveness right before the end. And I'm like, well, let's hope it's not sudden because um, if it does come suddenly, you won't have the time that you need to fix all of that up. And so, you know, we're just taking grace where it's not supposed 
to go. It's possible to stretch this grace thing way beyond what it was really intended to do. And in fact, James, who was Jesus's brother, um, he said something really interesting. He said that when it comes to your faith, what we do shows or, or proves that our faith is actually real. You know, so it's not like we could just go ahead and do anything, is it? Everyone? Okay, you with me? It's all good. Uh, for a second there, I thought you were all just really loose. Like you were like, who cares? Like, you know, but, but you're not because you understand that grace is not there so that we can just go and do, you know, whatever it is that we want. It's, it's there for a, a different reason. In fact, um, what we do, let's call that works, Right. And uh, works is an interesting word. It's actually, if you, if you read the Bible, works, the word works, uh, features more than the word grace. How about that? So like the word works is in the Bible 213 times in the New Testament. For context, grace is in the Bible 124. It's like nearly double. So works is not a, a dirty word. You know, I feel like, you know, when we understand what grace is, you know, we hate works. But James didn't hate works. He was, well, in a lot of ways, he was a lot about works. Works are important. In fact, you know, Jesus spoke about works a lot. And he spoke to the church, which is his people, his ecclesia, his community of called out people. So, you know, like you guys are a part of Bright Church and, and this, is, this is your church. But in another sense, we're all part of the universal church because we're God's community. So he called his people, you know, the church. So Jesus speaks to his church. We're going to do a series, um, you know, later on, I think probably sometime around August. I'm calling the series Seven Letters. And it's about the seven letters that are written to the church in the book of Revelation. And when, you know, Jesus comes and says things about these certain churches, he has a lot to say. It's interesting that he often begins with, I know your works. And that's a very present and real thing for us today because he is speaking to the church in present tense as well. I know your works. I know what you do. I, I, I know what you, you've done. And I, I just want to be clear from the outset so that we can get the balance of this thing right. Um, we are not saved, saved by our works, but we are saved for them. We're not saved by our works. You know, thank God. <laughs> so nothing you could do will make God love you more. You are just totally loved today, but you are saved for them. Some of you are unconvinced, but that's okay because I'm going to now read from the Bible that says everything that I just told you. So Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 starts with this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen? Amen. All right. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. He gives us salvation. You didn't earn it. You, you contribute like literally nothing towards it. It's, it says, not a result of our works. It's not a result of our works so that no one may boast. It's totally on Him. None of us can go, yeah, but I helped Him a bit. I really did help in, in my salvation. I contributed significantly. None of us get to say that. That's just not how it works. It goes on to say in verse 10, For we are His workmanship. That means we are brought about in terms of our existence by God, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. That word in the Greek 
Ergon means duty. It means work that we are obliged to undertake. It's a really strong word. Which God prepared beforehand, <laughs> that's interesting, that we should walk in them. The works are prepared beforehand and now we are to walk in them. Church, we've got a lot of work to do on the earth, right? Well, we do. We have a lot, a lot of work to do. And why, why do we do it? Yes, you passed. Why do we do it? We, well, we do it literally for the love of God. And do you know what we call that? Yeah, we can call it worship, but we often call it serving. We call it serving. And, and, and no one makes us do it. No, no one makes us do it. This is how church has worked for thousands of years. For thousands of years, people, the people of God, have laid down their time and their talent and their treasure we give, and no one makes us do it. No one forces us, and yet this is exactly how we do it. And why do we do it? So that we can advance the kingdom of God. And this thing that I'm talking about today is, is unimaginably important for us as, as people, as the followers of Jesus. It's so important for us to, to understand this. In fact, can I tell you that Peter, the apostle, one of the disciples, he called the people of God a royal priesthood. So that's all of us. We are, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then we are what? We are a royal priesthood. Okay, so when Peter wrote that, when he said that, he was actually quoting and referencing out of Exodus chapter 1. So how this worked for the people of God is that God rescued them out of Egypt and he brought them to Mount Sinai and he said, you are going to be, you are my chosen people and you are holy. So when anything is holy, just so we know, when something's holy, do you know what that means? It means that it's sanctified. It means that it's set apart. You know what it really means is that it's set aside for a specific and important purpose. That's why he said, you shall be holy because you are set aside for an intended, a very specific, a sanctified, a holy, a God-given purpose. And the way that he did it with Israel is that he said, okay, you are going to be my people. You're set apart. You're holy. And he instituted what they call a covenant, which is like an agreement, but really far more stronger than, than an agreement. It's like a promise, but infinitely more strong than that. Uh, we call it a, a covenant agreement. And the covenant was, you will be my people. And this is how our relationship will work. Um, I'm going to do some things and you're going to do some things. And do not mess up on the things that I've asked you to do. So they messed that up. They, they broke the law. And since the agreement 
specified, you are my people, but you must do what I say. And they weren't able to do what he said to them. It kind of messed up that purpose that they had. How could they be the people of God when they couldn't be set aside and made holy because they kept breaking the law? Well, God found some ways around that, but I just want to like, you know, let's roll tape 457 and now look at us. Here we are today. We, we don't have that covenant agreement with God. Not like that. So the, the agreement that we have, and we just read about it in, in that scripture that we read, is that the agreement that we have with God is one of what? Grace. Because we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Amen? Okay, that's what the gospel says. And the good news about that is that even if we mess up, our agreement with God remains intact. Because it doesn't depend on our ability to uphold it. It actually depended completely on Jesus's ability to uphold it, which he did. And it's locked away 2000 years ago on the cross, which means that today I get to walk in the favour and calling and anointing of God. So even if I mess up, the agreement remains intact. The implications of this for you are significant. The implications of this for you mean that you get to still serve as the people of God. You get to be called holy and blameless and it's got nothing to do with you. Do you see what I'm saying today? Even if you're messing up right now, you can still be set apart for good works. Do you get that? It's important to understand how this whole thing works because you know, you won't be perfect and, and, and none, of us, none of us are going to be perfect, but you can be repentant. You can't be perfect, but you can be repentant. You know, at the risk of oversharing, and I, I still, look, I would like to be your pastor at the end of this message, but I repent every day. There's always something in there. There's always something. Do you, know, do you know, like sometimes, honestly, when I repent, what I'm doing is I'm, is I'm bringing all the parts of my life that are out of alignment with the kingdom of God and I'm bringing them back into alignment. So let me give you an example. You know, when, when, when a problem arises and I immediately go to solve it and I don't actually even go to God about it, I repent about that. You know, because... I didn't even bring it to him, you know. Or if a situation ha happens and I go, oh no, we're doomed, you know, whatever it is, could be, I don't know. You know, or if I go, oh no, what are we, well, how are we going to handle that? Well, yeah, God. And so when I start to create a, a pattern of thinking, or if I, if I do, I go, oh, I repent of that, you know, because I don't want to live like that. I, I, I don't want to um, be a person that's always trying to solve his own problems. Do you know what I, I need? I need to bring my life into alignment with God. When I begin to downgrade God's power because I'm waiting on an answer to a prayer 
And I, if I started to think low thoughts of God, he's probably not going to do I repent of that. So repentance isn't always like, oh, I saw something on TV that I wasn't supposed to see. God, forgive me, right? That, that's definitely part of it, by the way, okay? But repentance is about alignment. Repentance is about, I'm, I'm, I was headed in one direction, I'm going back. But you know what I've learned about repentance? Is that, yes, the word means to turn around completely, but you can make course corrections too. Because if I'm going after God and I step, step to the left, right? If I keep going that way, it's not going to be good. So course correction, now I'm back on track. That's what repentance does. I cannot be perfect, but I can be repentant. And it's important to understand this. Thank you, mum. My greatest supporter. She's right to clap, though, because, you know, none of us are going to be perfect. And, and why am I telling you that? Because, in all honesty, I think some of you have made mistakes in your life and Satan comes and says, you cannot do something on behalf of God. He cannot use you. He wouldn't use you because of your mistakes. No. Remember, the agreement that we have with God is intact because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. And it's important to understand how the grace thing works. You're covered by grace. What's, what's the point that I'm making? You are not saved by your serving, but you are saved to serve. To serve Him. Serving, is, serving God is not an attempt to make God love you more. You're already loved. You don't do stuff and he's just like, oh, well, now we can hang out again because of how good you've been. You start to think like that and you, my friend, will come under so much condemnation that your, your, your private prayer, presence of God time in your life will be ruined by that kind of thinking. Because if you were good enough in your own merit to come into the presence of God, you have to face the reality of what happens when you're not good enough. And, and that doesn't make sense. No, we, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. So that means what he did, he shed his blood for my sins. So now I can come into his presence based on what Jesus did. And when my father looks down on me from heaven, he doesn't see the sin in me. He sees the righteousness of his son. And it's really important to get this thing about grace. So if we read the Bible, one of the things that we see is that not only are we called because he's prepared good works for us to walk in, right? We're not only called, we're graced. Okay, so your, your gift, whatever your gift is, will often reveal the sphere of your grace for life. So what do we have? Well, if we look in the scriptures and we see what are the, what are the gifts that God gives? Well, gifts will often come in the form of people. We have different words for it. So what are the office gifts? Sometimes we call them the ascension gifts or the apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Then we also have, you know, the grace gifts. Some people have a grace for giving financially. They're just wealthy and they have the, within their capacity and their ability to give way above 
of what I could could never I could never do it, but they they can do it. You know, some people have the grace of leadership. Some people have the grace of hospitality. You know, they're just amazing. They're, they're so good at serving. We have spiritual gifts. Some people have like the ability to just you know, if you read the the spiritual gifts in First Corinthians chapter twelve, what does it say? It says there are workings of miracles. Personally, I would love that one because it sounds exhaustive. Like you could do anything really. I'll just have that. You know, and and, and so you know, there's all these different spiritual gifts that you've you've got prophecy and other things right but all of these things here right to help us do what God is asking us to do how unfair would it be <laughs> come on how unfair would it be if God says I'm calling you to teach by the way never gracing you with the teaching gift you'd be like well that's unfair and of course it would be so reverse engineer it if you've got a teaching gift Maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing. Do you see how finding your gift helps you understand how to unlock your grace? There's a sphere of grace in your life to do something. I'll tell you something else. Every single believer has at least one spiritual gift. Evidently, Paul thought that. He wrote and he said, you know, people have got something. Part of the time, we're just trying to figure out what it is. God clearly expects us to use what He's given to us. It's there for a reason. Now, here's something that's kind of shocking. And, and maybe you're like, does it really say that in there? This is what James, Jesus's brother said. He said, a person, hold on to your hat. A person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's interesting, isn't it? Some of you think I'm lying to you, like I just put that in there. It doesn't fit with everything that you've heard to be true about grace. And yet this is what it says. What is the subtext? Let's unpack what, it, what does it really mean? It's saying if you have faith, there will be something to show for it. AKA serving. So if somebody says to me, that they are a follower of Jesus, but they do not serve God and will not serve God, I would say, I'm not so sure you actually have been saved by God. It's pretty strong stuff because it's not that the works are saving you. They're just indicative that your faith is real because people whose faith is real serve. Do you, do you get this? It's pretty strong, isn't it? I know, but I'm smiling so that you, it's good. It feels nicer when I smile, doesn't it? I, um, I went to a wedding a couple of years ago and this wedding was out of town. And so I grabbed my suit, shoes, all that stuff, you know, and, and put them all together by the door and then we're like, all right, we gotta go because the wedding was that afternoon. So tried to grab everything, got in the car, traveled three hours to where the wedding was, checked in at the hotel because we were staying there overnight. And um, I got out my suit and then I went to find my shoes and I didn't bring them. And so the only thing that I had was my thongs. So, I'm not gonna barefoot this thing. It was an outdoor wedding, it was dusty, it was dirty, right? 
and everyone is looking immaculate. And then there I am in my suit with thongs. People immediately walked up to me like I was some kind of attraction. And they're like, what ha the, the, um, I should have got a t-shirt because the amount of people that said, what's with the thongs, you know? Like, I, like I, I thought I was on the edge of some new fashion wave sweeping, you know. No, I just forgot them. So when you looked at me, right, the shoes completed the outfit. It, you know, it didn't, there was something about it that didn't look right. Gosh, it just didn't look right. I think the same thing about Christians who don't serve. It just doesn't look right. <laughs> and that would be really strong if James didn't say it first. Because this is what James said. He said, Abraham's faith was completed by works. Direct quote. Hoo-hoo. Interesting. Could something be missing from your faith? Could something be missing? I don't know. Is there something that we could point to and say, it's real, see, we know. It's not that the serving saves you, it's just that when you do it, we know that your faith is real. I get it. I, look, guys, you know, sometimes you, you, oh gosh, especially if you're new to Bright Church, just relax, okay? Just relax. We give you a buffer. <laughs> you have 48 hours. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, when you, 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 you join a new church, whatever it is, or you, or you come to church and, and you're trying to figure things out. I get it. There's times, there's times and there's seasons, but you know, we should, after a while, guys, we should have something to point to, right? Because if there was nothing to point to, I'm like, oh, something's not right. So try this on for size. Every calling involves serving. I just can't be any more upfront about that. Every calling involves serving. Honestly, try it on. Think about it. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're called, you must serve. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. You know, are you greater than your master? No. Well, <laughs> you know, if he served, you should what? Yeah, yep, yep. That makes sense, doesn't it? What are, you, what are you graced for? There are people in this room that, you know, you're a five-fold ministry gift. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Some of you have the, the grace gifts, you know, leadership or giving or whatever it is. You know, there's all these things. You know what it says about spiritual gifts? That they're actually a manifestation of the Spirit of God, Right? And do you know what's really interesting about that? They are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for what? For the common good. Which means that it's not, you know, if you got, listen, if you got the gift of working of miracles, just I have some prayer requests for you, okay? <laughs> but you don't have that so you can do party tricks. You don't have that so that people go, oh, you're impressive. You just got it from the Holy Spirit. He just manifested His presence in your life that way. But you have that so that you can bless the people around you. And what do we call that? Well, we call it serving. See, every, see, see what I mean? Like, you, you get what I mean? It's very hard 
to get away from this idea of serving. It's just built into the church. It's built into the history. It's built into our, the fabric of who we are as God's people. It's, it's built into, it's doctrinal. I mean, it's, it's just, you just can't get away from it. So, so you know, at, at, at church, we have this thing that we call growth track. If you're new to Bright Church, the first week explains to you everything about Bright Church so that if you were new, you know what's important to us and you know if you want to be part of the church. And then after that, the next three weeks are all about you. And the thing that we do with Growth Track, this is the biggest part of Growth Track, is really helping people to discover what their gift is. Because if we know your gift, we can understand something about your grace and then mobilizing you at your leisure, at, at a time that you choose, right? To use what God's given to you to serve. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, sure, serving church. Like, let's just be clear. When, I, when the Bible talks about serving, I do believe that it's talking about serving your local church. Otherwise, it wouldn't have said the common good because that's within the framework and context of Christian community. But it is about just serving God in general too. So I think it's, it's probably both and. And, and. and we're supposed to be doing this. And, you know, even though if, if we can help discover what your gift is, and identify your grace. That's as far as we can take you. Like after that, it's all up to you. After that, it's it's literally it's up to you to lay down your time, your talent, and and, and your treasure. Because that's the part we don't get to do. Like you have to voluntarily do it. But this is the way the church has worked for thousands of years. People just voluntarily laying down their time, their talent, and their treasure. Why? To advance the kingdom of God. Why? Well, for the love of God. That's why we do this stuff. So we, you know, the last couple of years were, were pretty challenging, you know, for, for churches in general. And one of the things that we thought a lot about as a staff team, we thought about our, our leaders, you know, and our, and our ministry team. And if somebody is a ministry team leader, then they, just at Bright Church, just so you know, um, they normally oversee a department like kids' church and young adults, whatever. And so we said, well, we should, let's, let's start putting out some surveys out there because, you know, church is on, it's off. You know, it's like, it's hard, it's difficult, you know. People are here, they're slow to come back, they're even slower to serve. So I'm like, we need to, we need to figure this out and see if we can just make sure that our ministry team is doing okay. So we, we sent out a survey and the intention of that, honestly, was just to check on their, their heart just to make sure that, you know, their mental health, to make sure that they were, were doing well. And so our ministry team, they, they filled in these reports and we thought, let's do this on a, on a regular basis. So we did this like a, a month ago and all of the reports came back to me and I started to read through them just to see that our team was doing good because we care about them as well. And so I'm going through and there was this question that we asked and it's like, what is your greatest need right now? And 100%, 100% of the forms that were filled in, every single department leader said, I am desperate for people to serve. Yeah. I just, I'm so desperate for people to help me. And they all said the same thing. I actually texted the whole team and I said, hey guys, do you mind if I share this with our church? Because, you know, if it's your church, it should matter to you that our leaders are, are you know, feeling like that and, and, and doing the best that they can. And they said, 
for the love of God, please share that. You know, please share that information. So, so we have so many areas that people can serve in. I, t- I tell you what I'll do though, I'll, I'll highlight one to you because it's pretty important. We have a pretty strong demographic of, of young families and in particular, our, our kids ministry is, is right now is so understaffed that the balance between the amount of kids that we have and the amount of people that serve in it is just way out of whack. In fact, we have three kids' rooms, but right now we can only open two of them because we don't have enough leaders to open the third one. And these guys are serving every single week, running ragged because, you know, there's just not enough people. And don't get me wrong, they love it. They love it. They love these kids. And, you know, it's not babysitting. What are we doing? Well, we're raising disciples. So, so it's, it's important. And I, you know, I didn't want to begin with the question, do you guys think it's important? And you're like, yeah, because I knew you're all going to say that. Everyone thinks it's important. I just wonder if it's important enough for you to help out. So it might not be your gift. It might not be your grace. But if it is, you honestly, just at the end of the service, just email kids at brightchurch.com and our team will get that email and say, I can help out once a month. Seriously, even once a month. That would be so helpful. We can open up another room, makes the numbers a lot easier. We just need to build that team. But I told you it was like 100%, 100% of the leaders said, we, we just desperately need people. Some of the people that we, that we have that serve, they are phenomenal. We, we, we have guys that, that sometimes they're playing on the band and as soon as the church service finishes, they rush out to make you a coffee. Oh, how sweet is that? But it would be, you know, it would be easier, to, obviously, the more people that we, that we have that, that do it. So, you know, so what James was saying, you know, what, what Paul was saying is that you need to serve God. I think an application of that totally is, 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 serving, is serving your church. And I, and I think it's, it's important that, that we do that if we can. So no, so no guilt. No guilt, nothing like that. But if you're here and this is your church, think, hey, how could I, how could I get involved and help out? Just so you know as well, um, I met with a bunch of leaders in the movement that we're a part of. We're, we're part of the ACC, Australian Christian Churches. And I've met with a bunch of the leaders that lead that. And uh, we were all giving reports from, you know, different, our different regions, you know, the, obviously lots of different churches. And... Uh, the, the feedback around that table was exactly the same from every single area, every single area. And here it is. Uh, we've come back from COVID. We came back with uh, less people than we started with, but there's lots of new people around. And uh, we are, that people are um, slow to come back and serve and volunteer. Every single person said the same thing. So it's not like a, a bright church thing. It's like a, it's like a post-COVID thing, you know. But it's important. And, 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 you know, if this is your church, then I guess what I'm saying, it, it probably should matter to you as well. I, I have a working bee at my kid's school. And, you know, once a year you have to go down and, and do some work. And, or you can pay the money and not do it. And I, I said to uh, one of the people there, I said, do a lot of people pay the money? They said, yeah. 
you know. And it's, I don't think it's cheap. And, and it just made me realize, you know, how much people really value their time. That actually they'd rather pay the money than attend the working bee. And, and we do, we, we value our, our time so much. I think that's good. I think it's good that we value our time. We might, might have to pivot how we, how we use it though. Because there, there will be a day where we will stand before our Creator and he, he says to us, so what on earth did you do? But in a very literal sense. What on earth did you do? What did you do on earth? What are you doing? And then we'll have an answer for him. Paul said this, and this is just a scripture I already read to you today. He said, you were literally brought into existence by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That we should walk in them. <clears throat> He's prepared the works. Now it's, now it's our, bit, our task, our job to just walk in them. And uh, it's, it's worth asking the question, you know, what, why do you exist? What, you, what did God make you for? What have you been designed, created and intended for? There is something about you that God has got for you to do on planet Earth. And there is so much purpose on your life. I really mean it. There is so much purpose on your life. Don't let Satan snatch the seeds of vision from your life. Don't, don't let him do that. Because he would love to stunt your growth. He would love to destroy vision in your life. He would love to tell you that God could never use you. He would love to say that because of you've done X, you can't do Y. I got to tell you that, you know what? You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. The agreement we have with God is still intact because of what Christ did. We are still called His holy people that are separated for a purpose, a significant purpose on planet Earth. Do you know that they did a survey Researchers did a survey of a thousand churches and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they said serving is one of the greatest, no, they said serving is the greatest catalyst for, for experience that a church can offer. It's the greatest catalyst. One of the greatest experiences we offer is serving because serving grows you. It develops you. And, and you know, you, you could be really book smart, a great theologian, but you, will, you would be lacking in so many other areas that you cannot get outside of, of serving. And you know why? Because when you serve, you are put in environments and situations and you are exposed to, to people and, you know, all this kind of stuff that you just, you couldn't get that outside of serving. It, it just has to be done that way. So I don't know what your calling is, but I can, I can promise you this, it involves serving. I don't know what your calling is, but I promise you it involves serving because every calling does. Every calling involves serving. So just as I finish, for the love of God, serve. Serve people, serve God, and we build the kingdom of God together. Amen? Okay. So I'm just gonna pray for us this morning. 
Father God, we just thank You so much for Your presence today. We thank You, God, for every single person that's here, whether they're watching online or they're in this meeting right now. We know, God, that You have called, gifted and graced Your people to do works for You, things that You've prepared beforehand. We know, God, that those things don't save us, but God, out of the great love that we have for You, we don't want to do anything less than our best with the time that You've given to us on planet Earth. Father, I pray for every single one of us that we would grow, that we'd develop, that we'd find our gift. And I, I just pray for anybody who's here today that has come under that, that voice of condemnation that says, you could never, God would never use you in Jesus' Name. I pray that every lie right now would be broken in Jesus' Name because we, we know that that's not true. I thank You, Jesus, that everything that we get in our relationship with You comes from You and it's directed at us. It's, it's got nothing to do with us and everything to do with You. Lord, we cannot be perfect, but we can be repentant. Lord, any parts of our lives today that are out of alignment with Kingdom order, Father, we bring them into alignment with You right now in Jesus' Name. And Father, I pray that out of this room, out of this Sunday, that we would see a whole heap of people start to serve, serve You outside of church, inside of church, just serve You because that's our worship. That's what we want to do. It's who we are. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.